The rivalry between Holland and, and, and Germany started because of the 74 World Cup final and uh, where many people say that Holland was a better team and deserved to win, but Germany won the World Cup. Now, that's Van Basten! It's Van Basten! Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the teams of our lives with myself and Andy Brassel. Andy, how the dickens are you? I'm excellent in yourself. Very, very well. I'm particularly well because of the team we are doing today. We always do great teams because the teams of our lives, Andy, for crying out loud, it <laughs> does what it says on the app. But um, and I'm particularly pleased uh, today because not only are we talking about a great team, we're talking about a great team who played in a great kit. And you are wearing this kit right now. Ladies and gentlemen, we are doing the Netherlands Euro 88 winning side. Andy Brassel owns the original Netherlands 88 Euro 88 kit. My giddy aunt, that is your retirement fund right there. Oh, yeah. And one day, I'm very much hopeful that mm. Rud Hullet will sign it for me. This this lends itself to social, really, doesn't it? Oh, it does. Andy, if you yes. sold that, um, you know, in, say, 20 years or something, honestly, I think that you would be next-door neighbours with the rich and famous down Sandbanks way. <laughs> Do you think its value could be increased by the fact that the Netherlands are unlikely to win anything in the intervening period? Uh, well, it depends if uh, Ronald Koeman fancies another go at the job or not. Exactly. But he is, a, he is a man we're going to be talking about right now. So, yes, Netherlands, <laughs> Netherlands Euro 88. Um now, the Netherlands are quite an intriguing side when it comes to international football. We think of them, rightly so, as one of the heavyweights or certainly one of the big boys. And that is because of what they've done more recently. But it's it, 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 really, they've had a, a, a bit of a checkered history with international tournaments. There's been 21 World Cup competitions, and I will call them competitions. The Netherlands have only played or qualified in 10 of them quite low, really, if you think about that. Um, they participated at 34 and, and 1938, but then didn't get involved again until 1974, which we all know what happened there, and then, of course, 1978. And then they failed to qualify in 1982 and 1986 and came back in 1990. With regards to the Euros, obviously the Euros has had a bit of a different structure to the World Cup um, over the years, although more recently, of course, it's it's similar. But they'd gone out in the first round in 1980. Bearing in mind that was two years after they'd reached the final of the World Cup in, in 1978. They'd failed to qualify in 1984. So going into Euro 88, they hadn't qualified for a major tournament in eight years, missing out on three. Yeah. So it's, again, we can look at this side and you see the great names of Van Basten, Hullet and Koeman and, and whatnot. But it, one could be forgiven for thinking, well, actually, their, their, their tournament history wasn't great. No, and I, I don't think that's unfair. It's almost, it's almost a bit like Turkey, really. If you go here, we go, it's boom, <laughs> boom or bust. You know, you're either you're either getting all the way or yeah. most of the way, or or, or not being or Croatia, there at all. Croatia, a little bit like that. Obviously, a, a fairly new country. Yeah, I mean, obviously, both both. Turkey and Croatia are, mm. are newcomers, relative newcomers mm -hmm. to the top table of, of European football. 
but I think that's the thing. Uh, this is the thing that colors the eighties for the Netherlands team mm-hmm. and that colors Euro 88 and the way that they experience that in that the shadow of the 1974 world cup final is looming large over all of it. Yeah. That is something that is very, very difficult for them to, to, to get over because I, I guess they were the, they were the most beautiful losers as the French would put it <laughs> in, in 74 in world cup history, apart from maybe the Hungarians in 54. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, it was really tough to get over it and the fact that um Rinus Mikkels then took his magic to Barcelona this is what makes the the Dutch so important in football fans hearts um not just what happened in 74 but going on from there how Mikkels and Cruyff together rebuilt Barcelona and you know, that influence, as we've talked about before, is, and as everyone listening will know, or most people listening will know, is very much part of modern football folklore. The the, the um, parameters and the values that they set at Barcelona feed into Rijkaard, the great Guardiola teams mm-hmm. later on, all of that, all of Barcelona's personality on the pitch, not necessarily what they represent, in terms of um, uh, representing Catalonia, uh, although obviously Cruyff connected with that in mm-hmm. a, a way that assured his popularity as well as the way he mapped things out on the pitch. Um, on the pitch, they made modern-day Barcelona. And um, obviously, they were at a disadvantage in terms of playing the home team in the final in, in 1978 as well. Um, there's the fact that, um, you know, that we've talked a lot in, in the, the Euros that, are, that have been happening this summer about the um, political currency of football, particularly in terms of, of, of Hungary, for example, where I, I spent some time this mm-hmm. summer. Um, but uh, Argentina's military junta did exactly that in 1978 and you put that so diplomatically andy (laughs) well played sir i (laughs) well you know you fill in the gaps and um you know i don't think we could we can overlook and it's something that's still pertinent now Mm. as i was saying the fact that football has, has been used as a political tool for a very very long time and that was something very different and difficult for the Netherlands to face up to. Then you get into the 80s, Cruyff fades from the picture, um, and it's, it's really difficult. I mean, they did have some near misses in that time. Mm. Like Euro 84, they didn't qualify on goal difference. I think Spain beat Malta 12-0 in the last <laughs> game, and so they, they qualified on goals scored. Um, and then you, you get to Euro um, at World Cup 86, sorry, and there's a playoff against... Belgium they can see the late goal in the home leg that, that sees them go out on away goals so mm-hmm. they've been there or thereabouts but it, it feels that even though Mikkels has come back by the time we get to 1988 it is a kind of fresh start because mm. you look at that team there are so many recognizable names that we think it must be the finished article but in fact it's a really young squad yeah. at, at this point but it's 25 Yep. Van Basten's 23. Of course, there's Hans van Broekelen, but 
that who a lot of people know from Nottingham Forest at that time. But there are two outfield players, um, Adri Van Tegelen and Arnold Murin, who are who are 30 or mm. over 30. Yeah. And that is it. I mean, Murin's right at the other end of the scale. He's 37. Mm-hmm. But but still, it, it's a very young Netherlands team. And, you know, it's, it's funny because in a different situation, if we'd have... The, the Euros had happened when they were meant to happen last summer. Mm-hmm. I think the Dutch are feeling a lot of those vibes because they've not they've not qualified for the last couple of tournaments. Yeah, there's the the feeling that they're starting again. There was never that level of optimism under mm-hmm. Frank de Boer. Sorry, Frank, I know you've taken enough of a kicking off the ramble network, but that's all of Luke's fault. That's nothing to do with me and Marcus. Don't <laughs> pin it on us. <laughs> but the, if if Kuman takes them into Euro 2020, there's a totally different feel. Yeah to it and maybe a bit of a euro 88 feel even if the players are not quite of the same level as this 88 vintage quite possibly the other the other thing though that was was going on around this time into this tournament they've got a talented side obviously hula and van basten are at milan doing good things there frank reinkard hasn't gone to milan he would do that summer he was at real zaragoza alone after his move to sporting which was uh, such a bizarre thing it's, yeah it's a, it's a foiler for Luke's game. There's no doubt about it. It, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're both on the same page there. But 1988 was quite the year for Dutch football, other than them winning Euro 88, because PSV Eindhoven became the, only the third side in history to win the treble. Um, Celtic won it in the 60s, of course. Well, they won a quadruple, I think, but they won their treble, if you like, we'll keep it simple, in the 60s. Ajax won it in the 70s. And PSV won it in the 80s. And... And so perhaps, you know, maybe when I say, well, you, you know, you can look at their t- recent tournament history going into that, uh, are they any good? But when you look at that PSV side who had very contrasting styles of play, you know, scored a few goals in the Eredivisie. When it came to European competition, it was very much, let's win on away goals, lads. <laughs> uh, they really, really uh, exploited that one. But they were pretty airtight at the back. But that side boasted the likes of Ronald Koeman, Van Broekelen in goal. Barry Van um, Ehrler, forgive pronunciation, uh, Gerard um, Vandenberg and Wim Kieft. Now, four I loved of, Vandenberg. I yeah, absolutely love Vandenberg. But four of those five started the final against mm. Soviet Union. Uh, yeah. And it shows you actually that that national side with, with, with what they were doing was quite important to what this Netherlands side did as well. And the depth was, was, was decent. There's no mm. doubt about that, Marcus. And yeah. I think actually, if you look at that, um, PSV contingent, of course, the one that springs out is, is, is Ronald Koeman. Yeah, he was absolutely integral to this side and at the, at the top of his game, and very much a product of his time. Because a player that good, there's no way he stays at PSV no. that long mm. in in this day and age. You know, mm. you think his chance for a big move is gone. And of course, he went on and became a huge part of Barcelona history as a as a player before he finally ended up there as a coach. Of course, but I think if you go back to the group stage it's easy to focus on the game against England, Mm. which has the headline of a Van Basten masterclass, and it was, but England more than had their chances in that. Yeah, it was actually a good Um, England side. It's a shame. Yeah, you're looking back on it, England had a decent side in Euro 88. They shouldn't yeah, have looks, lost. It looks a mess when you when you see the results. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's it's not like that, and especially the opening part. Yeah, of that. Of, of that Netherlands game in Dusseldorf. Uh-huh. You know, England were good, hit the post twice. Hoddle had that effort, they yep. hit the post. Uh, and then Van Basten <laughs> takes over. And it was sort of 
it was one of those things that was, it was pinned to Tony Adams mm. like a badge of shame at the time. I yeah. remember, which is ridiculous. It's it's a bit like um an old version of that meme where people show like Joran Boateng falling over when Messi goes past him at Camp Nou. Yeah, it's like it's messy. Yeah, it, it, it could happen to anyone. It yeah, could yeah, happen absolutely, to absolutely yeah. anyone. And it's the same with Van Basten. But because we pin it all on that game, and like I said, we don't even look really at the the um, the detail of that mm-hmm. game. Um, it's easy to forget. A, they lost to the Soviet Union in the first game. Yeah, which, which one can forget? Yeah, which, which who they ended up playing in the final, even yeah. though they had a lot of a lot of the play in that game, and they had some chances which they didn't take. And then you look at the the final group game hmm. where the Republic of Ireland make it really bloody difficult for yeah. them. And that, that's their first major tournament. Yeah, um, yeah. Paul McGrath has an effort that hits the post that doesn't quite go in. And then just after that, Vim Keeft, one mm. of the ones you don't really remember from PSV, is very different sort of striker to Van Basten, all real sort of bustle and you know exactly the sort of player you want to throw on against the republic of ireland i suppose <laughs> there's there's this shot that's going off target where he kind of adjusts brilliantly to divert it in with his head it looks mm. an incredibly lucky goal when you first see it and th- there is an element of luck to it but it's, it's a tremendous finish and that had a massive influence on them going through of course yeah to play the west germans nice and easy <laughs> and uh, in in the words of um Renus Meikles slash uh, Chris Finch. That was the real final. <laughs> That's what he said, wasn't he? It was. After the, after the game, yeah. Well, I, was it after the game or was it after the tournament? I think it was after the tournament. Yeah, because yeah, okay, I'm not sure because you would think that any manager would say after the tournament because you, you're, at, you're at liberty to do so. But it is Renus McGill's and it is at the Netherlands. It wouldn't shock me after the game. He went, well, that was a real final. <laughs> you know? It would be a very an... Dutch thing to do. Exactly, Marcus. And there's an enormous <laughs> amount of chip around this because, mm. you know, people think there's um, you know political-based ill feeling, which is at the heart of this. Mm-hmm. That's some of it, definitely, still, yeah. in, in 1988. But mainly, mm. it's because they felt the Germans stole their trophy in 1974. Oh, it's very much. And there's a lot of football. Mikkels is, is back to feel that as well. Yeah, you know the the coach that led that 14 years mm. later, he's back to have his revenge. And like mm. you say, he publicly says that, that it's it's his revenge. And there are so many little bits in this game that are, are, are extraordinary and show that not just the bad feeling the bad feeling almost exclusively coming from the dutch side yeah i think um there's the bit where because germany go in front in this game where lothar Mateus just about squeaks a penalty past van broekelen almost like marking his card for the penalty save that he eventually does make in the final we have to say by the way just before you move on is that the way um Rijkaard fouls Klinsman. I, I was watching the highlights again. I was like, "Oh yeah, that's a classic Klinsman fall." I couldn't really oh, totally. tell. I couldn't really totally. tell, which makes me think it wasn't a foul because he was such a diver. But then I couldn't. Really... It could be both. I think. Yeah, it was, it, yeah. It, was a, it was a clumsy challenge. <laughs> yeah, it was, the yeah. best. The best bit of that when you're looking at the the chip, especially from the Dutch side, hmm. is when the penalty is conceded. The referee points to the spot. And sort of backs up to the far end of the the area, mm. and just before he turns to face the players, I 
think from memory it's Adri Van Tegelen. He just boots the ball at the referee. <laughs> and it, it hits the ref. And it, he's he, he doesn't see who's done it. What and I fi- so what I Van Tegelen gets, gets away with it totally. It's just madness though. But what I find incredible is that that this spills over into the 1990 World Cup, of course, with the way Rijkaard behaved. And you think, yeah, how can it's... how can such a talented group of players? You'd beaten them, you know, you'd beaten them in the semi final in, in on the years. You'd won the European Championships. Mm. Rijkaard at this point is playing for Milan. He's won the European Cup. In fact, I think did he not even score the winning goal in the final when in 1989 Vienna, yeah. or 1990 around then? Um, how are you behaving like that? Do you know, how are you still wound up about this side like this? Do you see what I mean? And that's what I find interesting because in 74, they have a superiority complex mm. over the Germans because they genuinely think we are better. We don't have to try. We're going to piss around. We're going to humiliate them. And of course, as, it, as they were then, West Germany being who they are, they find a way to win. And mm. so I wonder if... Is this a superiority complex? No, it isn't. It has to be an inferiority complex. It absolutely is, and you see that the, the, the level of petulance mm. is 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 incredible. And um, even when Ger- um, Germany, the, um, the Netherlands have won the game mm. in, in 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 the semi final, <laughs> there's, there's this incredible moment <laughs> yeah. where after they've swapped shirts, mm. they're celebrating with the fans. And Ronald Koeman, who scores the equalising penalty, mm-hmm. has swapped shirts with Olaf Ton, and he pretends to wipe his bum with <laughs> with his shirt. That's just mad. And, and he's re-asked about it in years to come. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't regret it. I, I don't... I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. <laughs> and this is a Northern European nation as well. You know what I mean? Usually yeah. we think the Southern Europeans are a little bit more emotionally charged and so on. You know, yes. it's, it's madness. It's it's it is insane. Like when we think about the rivalries between, say, England and Scotland over the years, and 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 some of our our own here, like that kind of behaviour. I mean, unless I'm missing something, I can't think of anything, as you say, petulant and 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 really, there's, there's real hatred here. This is not oh, just. It's totally bitter. In this yeah. in this country, we talk about bragging rights because actually. Mm. Again, uh, I'm not talking about sort of some fan behaviour. I'm talking about the actual players and, and, and whatnot. They tended to play in the same teams or, or in the same mm. leagues. And, of course, they would go hell for leather on the pitch. Uh, but they talk about bragging rights because it's in the pub after the game and all that. You can slag them off and you can give it plenty. Mm. This is, no, no, no we, we are pretending to wipe our own, ourselves with their shit. Like, we, we hate <laughs> them. Do you know what I mean? I just, it is, yeah, it's madness. It's absolute madness. It's, it's remarkable, um, but I, I guess we're we're kind of going past we are, the story, we are. the building story that is Van Basten, yeah, um, who did did pull the Netherlands mm. uh, out of the mire with that, and it really is a brilliant hat trick actually. Mm. Two with the wrong foot, two with the left foot, and the the, the tap in from the corner. At, oh, this uh, is against England. You're talking about against England, yeah. and. Um, yeah, the, the, the turn on Tony Adams for the first goals are, are amazing. But yeah. then, of course, once you get to West Germany, once we've got the equaliser mm. um, of Matthias's penalty from uh, Koeman's penalty, Van Basten's 
finish is 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 magnificent. Like yeah. like we say, he's only twenty three yeah. at this point, which is absolutely remarkable. And I think it's Jan Valters who plays the ball in round the back of the defence. There's still loads to do, mm. and it doesn't even really hit it. It just kind of steers it. Yeah. And people use the word steers the ball home quite a lot, don't they? In, yeah. In, in, in match report, he really did steer it right into the corner. It's a slip it's an and a steer, Randy. A slip and a steer. Brilliant finish. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, yeah. And of course, you know, last minute or two of the game and they're through and, and amazing scenes of celebration. But it is mm. quite funny how, again, it's easy to be wise after the events, but Mikkel says, yeah, well, that, that was the final. Well, the, in the final, they played... Soviet Union, who are also wearing a great kit, by the way. But Soviets have beaten them earlier on in the tournament. Good side. And were very good coached. Yeah. And it's sometimes not acknowledged, though it is acknowledged by Pete Donaldson, (laughs) that this shirt is a template. Yeah. And, you know, the the Russia red one from that tournament Mm. is actually the... The, the the same pattern, That's but right. you know, history's written by the winners and all that sort of stuff. Well, I think uh, I think the Van Basten volley in the final does help with that shirt. Yeah, I as think well. it does. It I really it does. does. I mean, it, it, I think we have it in our minds that that Van Basten volley. Which, by the way, I know the memory can sometimes play tricks on you, mm. but the um, the, 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 if you watch that goal yesterday, if you watch it today if you watch it tomorrow if you watch it in four months time or four years time it is every bit as good as you remember mm. and and more i think the hanging quality of the cross by arnold murin is is something as well it's in the air for so long mm-hmm. the angle is impossible the connection any slightly worse connection it goes into the ground mm. any slightly better connection it goes a mile over the yeah. top it is absolutely perfect in terms of appreciation of the trajectory in terms of the way he catches it in terms of the exact point that he puts it where the goalkeeper definitely can't get it before Mm. you even get to the pace of the ball it is the perfect perfect goal and um i I think when i talk about memory playing tricks on us i think you look at renus mikkel's reaction to that and you think you know he's seen everything and he can't believe it. You know where mm. he's just sort of covering his eyes and his assistant. Oh yeah, that's him. a lovely reaction. Yeah, it is. But actually, he has the same reaction to the first goal, which oh, is he? from inside the oh. header from inside the six yard box from Hulley. Myth Buster so Brassel. Actually, actually, he's just yeah, yeah, we're winning the European Championship. He's just enjoying himself, and that's it. And I remember this so keenly and 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 so well because it's the first. It's the first major championship where I watched all the games, ah. um, basically. So I got given this shirt by my godparents, who are Dutch, uh-huh. um, presumably from the bargain bin because it still fits me. I'm now slightly <laughs> older. <laughs> but um, yes, it's, it's a cherished possession. But I, I think as, as, as well, and I think we probably do talk about this on Teams of Our Lives quite a lot, but it's worth repeating that the appreciation of international teams back then in major tournaments is way different. You don't see mm. these guys every week. And as we say, even if you did get the little snippets, this is before prime European Cup winning um, Hullet and Van Basten. Yeah. And what tournament Hullet had, by the way. Mm-hmm. This is before those great players have flown the... P- like Koeman have, have, have flown the PSV nest. Mm-hmm. Um, this is before 
Frank Reichard's Milan Frank Reichard. Yeah. So for all of those reasons, mm-hmm. it's such an incredible education in football, mm. this tournament. Also, the reason I got to watch all these games is because on the way back, on the day probably that England played the Netherlands in Dusseldorf, I was on the way back from a school journey, got back. I'd been horrendously sunburned um, and uh, I had heat stroke. Oh, and blimey. so while, while all my mates went to school, I got uh, fed sandwiches and Lucas aid and had my feet in a bucket of cold water, which apparently was the solution in them days. <laughs> and um, I, got, I got to watch all the games. Lovely. I, I, I think I was enjoying a peanut butter sandwich when and some Lucas aid when mm. uh, Van Basten hit that hat trick. Blimey. Although obviously took the edge off the the, the yeah the defeat, I'd say. <laughs> exactly I think if, if if something bad happens to England in a future tournament yeah. I think I think you need to have a peanut butter sandwich in the fridge just, just and, a, and a drop ready. of Lucasade maybe I mean yeah exactly. and, and and what was a, a slight rarity um, is that uh, the winning team also had the top goal scorer at the tournament that doesn't often happen actually if you look at it yeah and, and the, the top goal scorer mm. was clearly the best player at the tournament yeah and, I mean and clearly deserving of it as as, as well mm. because there is a sort of randomness about european championship top scorers you know you look back over Milan Barish knows them. what you're talking about yeah exactly he's the one that always springs to mind isn't he good side though check van basten yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, yeah i mean it was it was it was fantastic and it's it's a shame that this turned out to be mm. the pinnacle for van basten certainly at international level because he he deserved a lot more but you know he got gave a lot of people Mm-hmm. A lot of happiness in this tournament. It did, yeah, and it and it makes it even odder when I think about 1990. I understand they were knocked out by West Germany, who went on to win the tournament with the best side there. But but looking at this team, you know, maybe could they have done a little bit more if the draw was a little bit different, or if, or if Rijkaard hadn't have behaved like the way he did, or or, or so on, because they were a great side. And going into that World Cup, I remember thinking that Ruud Hullet was the best player on the on the planet. I don't know why as a young lad I thought that, but I just remember being mesmerised by him and his performances. Totally. And I think you can forget his reach, mm. I think, amongst the great players of his time and how universally popular he was yeah. all over the world. I mean, the thing about him in Euro 88, the, the goal against... The Soviet Union is a really good example. It's just impossible to pick up. Yeah, I mean, I think people look at the Dutch. You expect four three three, and then in this, it's like, hang on, are they playing four four two? What are they doing? Well, Where they, is that guy meant well, to well, be? Got, he just arrives everywhere. Yeah, they've got Rijkaard and Kuman as centre halves. I mean, are they centre halves? Yeah. That's like the best central midfield duo you could have had at the time, and yet they're both playing centre half. It's it's extraordinary. I, I just I don't know how. Because they both like to maraud, they both like to score. Mm. Well, Kuman were obviously more set pieces. Yeah, it, it, again, it does go to show what Mickles did with that team and and how they operated. Because those two at centre half, yeah, I I can't really find the words to sort of describe it, but it's it is incredible. Well, uh, it was it was enough to make Van Broekelen come out of his like I'll come off his line and give away an absolutely crazy penalty <laughs> in the final, which he then went and saved. Of, of, of oh course. yeah. People forget that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's right. And it could, it could have been a very different game. I, I mean, it feels in the entirety of the game that, that the Dutch closed it out quite comfortably, mm. but you know, moments like that do change games. And if, if they'd have put away the penalty, yeah. um, Soviet union, then it, then it's a completely different kettle of fish. But, 
you know, I, for the for the first time to have a team in an international tournament that wasn't England mm-hmm. as as your focus, yep. and to to watch them do their thing and parts of your family be hugely excited about it and to enjoy it through the fluorescent buzz of Lucas Aid was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, Andy, pleasure talking to you about. Uh... The Dutch at Euro 88, and lovely to, to be looking at you wearing that kit as well. <laughs> that was the real t- treat, ladies and gentlemen. You're going to uh, have to take my word for that. Um, there we are. Thanks, Andy. Pleasure as always. Thank you. Thank you, for everybody, for listening to Teams of Our Lives. We'll be back next week, of course. See you then. The Football Ramble is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.